0: Today on Compassion Radio.
1: I'm seeing pictures of a building, a high-rise block of flats that had been hit by debris of anti-drone activity. It's had a building on fire just a couple blocks away, and in the safest part of the country. Religious freedom is at stake, and the example of the Ukrainian church is massive. In some ways, this temporary diaspora has been as much for the people who serve the Ukrainians as for the Ukrainians who are served.
0: From the front lines to where you live, Compassion Radio is here to bring you the story of God's people doing God's work, God's way, no matter what might be standing in the way. Thanks for joining us today. On two previous programs, we've got the latest on our Serve Ukraine project from our friend and partner, Fred Human. We wrap up the latest from him today. Previous episodes are available, of course, in our podcast archive at CompassionRadio.com. It's been fascinating so far, so if you missed any of it, check it out soon. And now, to the rest of the story, as they say. From your perspective and your experience and your conversations, where is the situation in Ukraine going for the nation and for the church? And what part do we need to play in it? And then the last bit I'll make after they all said about that is... What's in it for us? What can we be praying for, for God's renewal of our faith in the West because of their faithfulness
1: where they are? Uh, Last first, every time I hear the stories of what friends have gone through, uh, I just go, am I worthy to even wash your feet? Um, You know, I get upset when there's traffic. (laughs) And, you know, rather than being happy that I have a car, I have a, a comfortable place. Um, you know, we've been exiles all year ourselves with just destruction in our own house. But that's nothing compared to what my friends are facing, that they're in another country. There are people helping them. They're lovely people, but it's not home. We've stayed in six different places this year. Yeah. And that's been incredible. God's blessed us and the things we were able to have as a result. But they haven't been home until now. So understanding priorities, I think, I hesitate to be the Ukrainian expert, but I guess I've studied it long enough, and I I read (laughs) a lot of people who are experts. I think, A, we have to continue to support the country because actually religious freedom is at stake. Yes. just democracy. But religious freedom is at stake. And the example of the Ukrainian church is massive. In some ways, this temporary diaspora uh, has been as much for the people who serve the Ukrainians as for the Ukrainians who are served. My goal on all this in our ministry has been to work with the people where I have relationships, figured that those relationships are important. I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can be concerned about the needs of the people that I know. Woe unto me if I leave them hanging, huh. can I do everything? Absolutely not. But if it's in my hand to do, I'm going to do it. Whether it's bringing them here to continue their education or to help them when they get deported or to uh, help them put windows in people's homes, or blankets around elderly who have no heat, or a bus to evacuate people, that's what I can do. It's like, rather than sitting there in, in comfortable suburban America, and here I am living in comfortable suburban America, very comfortable, very suburban, And I am not in the upper echelon of that life in this particular place. But I've got to do what I can do to help those that I know. Or otherwise, God's going to say, what did you do to help them? Mm. Where did you you go? Well, you had that. If there's good in your hand to do it, do it. Do it. For Ukraine, I think we've got a lot to learn from these brothers and sisters. And I pray that that I can help get some of that word out. Again, this event with another ministry who we're friends with on Friday, hearing the stories what's going on in warsaw what's gone on in the south and the east of ukraine with the people who are going to the front and i go in just a few days to see more of it firsthand but am i going to the front no hmm. am i going to places where things could fall out of the sky sure that's the whole country
0: if you're in firing range i think you're on the front lines
1: yeah well one of our colleagues and good friends who's who i've worked with and i'm going to be with next week you know, I stayed in his home last year as things were landing in Lviv. He sent me a picture and said, this was two blocks away from our house. And so I don't have that problem. And you're seeing pictures of craters, not just a bullet hole. I'm seeing pictures of a building, yeah. a high-rise block of flats that had been hit by debris. I don't know that it was directly targeted, but that was it was the detritus of anti-drone activity yeah. that He's a building on fire just a couple blocks away, and he's in the safest part of the country.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'll be there next week. Am I a hero? No, sometimes I think I'm just stupid. Yeah. But I just go, <laughs> I, I choose to not be fully aware because I know there's people who I need to help, the friends that I have there. Um, so I think we need to understand from the Ukrainian church that when I try to teach my worship students about musical styles, it's not about you. Yeah. And that's a biblical principle that applies to all of us. If Ukraine falls, we're all in trouble. And that's not overstatement.
0: Yeah. On the political, societal, economic, world order, and issues of integrity, autonomy, conscience, and freedom for all of us. All of those things are going to be radically affected if we don't find a way to find commonality with our European allies to put an end to this particular assault. I agree with you there. Yeah. And I'm not in the least an internationalist where I think we need to meddle every time. But I'm absolutely not an isolationist. I don't think the kingdom of God ever can be, really. I think we are all commanded to be attentive to where our body is aching around the world. And we have brothers and sisters in all
1: these countries. Jesus talked about that, didn't he? Go into all the world. The world. Pretty clear. All right. Uh, Fred, last word.
0: What do you think we need to be focusing on praying for specifically in the days to come?
1: Well, for the Russian propaganda to have less effect in our country, in our political sphere, in our church. Um, I mean, I'm going to be there for the next three weeks. Uh, i appreciate prayers for that. But it's not about me. Hello. Mm-hmm. For wisdom and how we can support the church and how we can help them transition out of this when it does happen. It seems... Jingoistic to pray for victory, but they need to win. Yeah. And I think the perspective for the church in America to shift, because there's going to be a lot of work to be done when this is done, because it's not going to be finished. And so we stand alongside. I do want to jump to another program with you sometime
0: soon about the situation in Gaza and Israel. But I'll just ask you to make the chain of connection here for me between the kind of things that oppressed people's face. And it's hard to do it briefly, but because Israel and Gaza conflict is occupying most of the news cycles now, and we're talking about something that's been on the front edge of news lead lines for the past two years, is there a connection, spiritually speaking, or about bigger issues about what's going on in the Middle East right now and what's happening in Ukraine? Is it just opportunism where they see things getting weakened elsewhere so now that there's a chance to pounce? Or is there some other kind of issue you think that's erupting now? And I'm not just talking about apocalyptism or kind of end times eschatology that we're so married to in evangelical America. We just, we want to see the end times come because then it's going to be all glorious and good. A lot of people think that way or are taught that way. But the kingdom is now. So do you see something between these two that seems to be involved in something bigger that unites the two conflicts?
1: Uh, This is a case of fools rush in where angels fear to tread, I think. Oh, amen to that. But I asked the question anyway, because I'm brave. <laughs> I know you did. And I may try to avoid answering it because I'm not that brave. But this situation, it's hard. Uh, you know, we were already in compassion fatigue. And I don't mean people listening to your program, but it's like, Ukraine was falling off the radar, and now it's going kind to of been pushed onto the wings. Yes, they we were. But the death and destruction are real. And the stuff in Gaza is unbelievable. And that's an unbelievably complex situation. And it's fraught with the American church's preoccupation with the Israeli nation as opposed to Israel. Um, that's my comment. I have deliberately not gotten, I'm aware, I'm listening, I'm not looking at pictures, because mm-hmm. I'm already compassion fatigued with what I've been dealing with for two years. Doesn't mean it's not important. What's interesting is that there's a lot of Ukrainians in Israel. I'm thinking of a student and her husband and their little one, and she's pregnant again, and they went to Israel to get away from Ukraine. Uh, There's a huge population in Ukraine. The musical Fiddler on the Roof is not about Israel. It's about Ukraine. (laughs) And there's a huge messianic Christian community in messianic Jewish community in Ukraine. Yes, there is. So there's a strong connection. I've seen. Uh, I can only say what I've seen, but I've seen articles that talk about because Putin's so involved in that part of the country. I don't think he's as smart, but people are accusing him of saying, "Well, this is a way to distract from the other, so that I can do whatever I want on the other side." Well. It's like the enemy. The enemy may not cause it, but they can certainly take advantage of the things once he sees it. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's a hard question to answer. I just above my pay grade. Yes, it is. <laughs> People will try to say, pick one. And it really is a matter of saying, what do we do appropriately in each one, rather than choosing A or B? It's unbelievably complicated, yeah. uh, like I said, in, in Israel and in Gaza.
0: That's fair enough, but... I do think they're going to influence each other and the way we perceive them. So what do you see might be the consequence of this one erupting
1: right now on what's happening in the Ukraine conflict? In terms of Ukraine, we've got to decide what to do. I I don't think we can afford to pick one. Hmm. I think we've got to do what's appropriate in each because we've got commitments, both as the church and as the nation in both. Uh So you've invited us to step into the impossible. Yeah. Well, welcome to life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm with you on that one. I do believe the church is at its best when it finally decides to do the impossible because God said to do it and realizing that, hey, God might in fact show up if he actually asks us to do the impossible.
1: Yeah, or to at least do it with his power and his strength.
0: Yeah, amen to that. (laughs) Do what you can, do it now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fred Human of Music Works International and of Serve Ukraine and a friend to many organizations and seminaries, music schools, worship training facilities across Eastern Europe, and especially in Ukraine. It was my honor, along with Sandy, to be able to visit him in that work and meet many of his friends in the interregnum between the first conflict and this major new one. We got to love the country because they loved us first. We had no idea what we were stepping into. We discovered a family was alive and vibrant. We had no clue at the time how much God was preparing them for tough, tough times now. But now we have friends who are serving and leading in the middle of that conflict, and our hearts cannot be far from that because we know them personally now. So, of course, we pray for that. And the best we can do is try to communicate as many of those stories as possible to our listening audience so they would join us in loving on these people, even by a second degree, and ask God to do miraculous and powerful things in these peoples, so that the nation of Ukraine and the future of world Christianity goes exactly where God wants it to go and open to many, millions more, billions more. But we won't have those opportunities in the next couple of generations as we stand appropriately, as you said, Fred, for those who are suffering. So thank you for the, the insight and the background on that. I appreciate it very much.
1: Well, always glad to be here and always glad to be with you and uh, covet your prayers for this trip and for all the things that we see, that I see, and figuring out how we need to continue to respond. Amen to that.
0: Well, give hugs to your wife, and we'll be praying over her while
1: you're gone, too. How many days? Uh, 20. We'll talk soon. Deal. See you soon.
0: Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. And now, back to the broadcast. As I was concluding the production of this program, we had a few open minutes left. So I checked in on Fred's progress and caught him literally on his way across Ukraine heading home from this important journey. Uh, Fred Human, we just finished up this past week giving your updates on what's been happening in Ukraine. And I happen to be at my desk finishing this broadcast and we had some space left available. So I reached out to you and found out that you were in fact on your way back from Kyiv right now, heading for your next appointments back in Poland.
1: Hey, where are you right now? I am sitting in the bus at the bus station just opposite the Vauxhall, which is the train station. We leave in about four or five minutes, three, four minutes. So it
0: seemed like a really auspicious time to catch up with you. Can you give me just a brief rundown of the things that you've been experiencing this past week?
1: Well, i try to go backwards from now. Um, this morning, we were at uh, a home of a dear family in Irpene that's being ministered to by the church we work with there. And uh, this family built their house themselves over 20 years. Brick by brick, literally, two daughters, one thirteen, 13, eight. The mom is a, a transplant nurse at the main hospital in Kiev. The dad is an auto mechanic. They were the first two weeks of the war in their basement with 10 people, right there because of everything that was happening. Then they left Bucha, Gripi uh, rather, through that famous bridge where you saw those people kind of go down and come back out like they were coming out of the caverns of the earth. They came back a week or so later, and their entire house, everything, every belonging was torched. There's nothing. Just hearing her talk about how much she missed, but what hope she had, we were saying, we have enough money to help you get this started, and she just lost it. And of course, so did I. Marina was with us as well, and so that was very cool. Yesterday, meetings. Sunday, I spoke at Philadelphia Church in Irpene. Last night, we had a time with about eight or nine of our students, our graduates, some who are current students at UETS, the evangelical seminary here, and just hearing what's going on and trying to talk about what's been happening. We told them about Marina's situation and her visa. By the way, next Monday is her appointment for her visa in Kraków. So your listeners can pray for that. But I said, you know, all this happens. I said, America is not the promised land. One of the gals at the end of the table, she says, no, Ukraine is the promised land. And I thought that was particularly poignant. So I've had to you know, significant meetings with the leadership at the school talking about the future and what that means with what they're facing. Met with your friend Oles yesterday. We'd helped get his son to the U.S. to take advantage of a full scholarship at a school in North Carolina. But then the day of, I saw Oles posted that one of their close friends, a father who has five kids, goes to church with them at New Life Church. He went into the army as a chaplain. He actually came to Christ in prison went to the Army as a chapel, and then decided to go to the front lines. He was killed last week.
0: Last week. When I saw you post about that loss for that church, I reached out to Oles right away, and he and I will try to get an interview tomorrow afternoon, his time. Yeah,
1: he posted it a little after they were walking through it, so we had maybe an hour and a half, but it was worth the two hours of driving to get to be with him, especially in terms of that. Then we heard last week while I was here that on my webpage, or my little prayer page, you see a picture of a girl standing next to me in black amongst other students, and her dad was killed last week as well at the front. It it's close. So, this is real stuff for real people.
0: These are individual stories, Fred, in a sea of loss for the nation. And oh, yeah. as I have said, you know, one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. Yeah. yeah. America, of course, having a hard time wrapping your minds around the loss of a few hundred or thousands of Israelis. And we talk about tens of thousands of Palestinians that have died in that conflict. Right. And you're facing an ocean of a different magnitude there in Ukraine because of what they've laid on the line as a country and what the church has laid on the line. Yeah. They're facing hundreds of thousands of losses so yep. far.
1: Yeah, I was talking to Denise, who is now over the worship program at UTS today, and we were talking about the war and what's going on. He said, you know, of course, they don't have the Ukrainian casualty statistics, and rightly so in the midst of war. But, you know, just thinking, he said, they think that for every three Russians, there's one Ukrainian. If you're estimating 300,000 Russian wow. and Russian soldiers, there's 100,000 Ukrainians that have been lost. Not to mention the students or the kids who get co-opted and taken out of the country and we're still in Russian and all that. It's a very real, painful, personal, people thing.
0: I think the magnitude for our Americans looking at this, besides the fundamental questions of what it represents, and you and I have talked about that a number of times in this program, yeah. and our last three programs have focused on that. Yeah. The magnitude, even for our country, you're looking at in the past two years alone here, the country of Ukraine has lost about twice as many people as we did during the entire 20 years of Vietnam. Wow. So... This is yep. not small potatoes and no. wars in Asia and Europe tend to be grossly meat grinder-ish. I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's been profound just to see the kind of footage coming back from the front lines that you and I have to pay attention to because so many of our people are involved with that. Yep. But I do want to ask you, Fred, what's the criteria for you? You're looking at a country where you could tell a thousand stories in a day of what's happened to people right around that central part of Kiev where you have so many friends. What is it about your work through Serve Ukraine and Music Works and all of the extended network through Kyiv and the Ukrainian Theological Seminary and the seminaries in Lviv and the west part of the country? What is it about those relationships that help you decide how and who you're going to help?
1: Yeah, if you get a good answer to that, send it to me. Hmm. Um, It is very difficult. You're trying to sift it. You can't take on everybody's need, even today, looking at this lack of house and the two little huts they're living in on their property right now. I'm saying, you know, there's lots of people in worse situations and worse places in the country. But for me, it's who has God placed in your way? You know, what are your relationships? And mm-hmm. our partnership has been with this Philadelphia Church in Irpene. And they were there in the midst of the war, at the beginning of the war, rather. the focus has moved somewhere else, yes. but the damage is still there. So I realized these are our partners, these are our friends. They said, this is our concern. I said, okay, that's my concern. Now, the problem is, as you said, when you have lots of friends, how do you choose? So you try to do a little bit uh, here and there, or try to do what you can and, and you have to pray. It sounds patently, you know, predictable. But you go, Lord, I have no idea. And when I met Oksana, when Marina and I met Oksana, we talked to her, heard her story, saw her attitude, saw how sensitive she is toward God. And this is not about a notch on our belt. She has a relationship with the church in one way or another. They've given her this temporary housing that they have. So she's very grateful. But to see her smile and her joy and her tears when we could say, you know what, it's going to cost that much to get this first part of your house, and we can do that then i said you know in the second part yeah i think we're just about have enough for that but now i have the opportunity to tell this story and to help this person i want to be able to look people in the eye and said i tried you know here's what i can do let me help i don't want to. i even told the students last night i said guys we have long time relationships here i said but if you need something i can't promise you i can do it but if you don't call me i'll be very mad you know me and say, maybe I can help. What can we do here? Maybe I can point you to the right person. How do we make this happen or that happen? So, you know, i try to listen to the spirit. I tried to send it to my heart. And this gal was amazing, the stuff they've been through. She said, you know, I think God has protection for us. We're grateful to have this place. And they've already, this is, they're doing their own bit. They've already paid for it, significant plans for a new house that's smaller than what they had. And she's thinking they're going to be building it for 10 years. I tell you what, I want to get it done this year, mm. you know, so... Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but you're feeling your way through. Everything is so desperate, you know. You say, well, who can I help most? Who am I most related to? What is that relationship? As this grows, you know, it's going to have to change a bit. But I think at the heart of it, it's always going to be who have we spent time with, who do we trust, who do we have relationship with, and how do we act on that in the way that's best for them.
0: From seven thousand miles away, it's hard for us to imagine. Where do you even begin? And that's precisely why we have hands and feet on the ground and why we have friends ourselves that do this work and why you invited us to be there five years ago, six years ago now. I'm old, Uh, getting older. We are obviously grateful for the opportunity to be present to see what God is doing through, especially the young people that you've been able to coach and train and empower and really arm up for the spiritual warfare they're facing now. The warfare that it seems like you're facing in ministry is how to help a nation lament even before yeah. the end of the battle. Yeah. Because they need the strength that comes from grief being expressed and the drink offerings, poured on the altar, all those kind of images.
1: Yep.
0: So I know that as you travel back today from the central part of Ukraine and work your way back into Poland, that you're asking for prayers of cover because there's so many things that could go sideways on the way back. So we're praying for you.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: More importantly, we're praying that God will continue to keep putting in your path the kind of people that he wants to serve. And he wants to serve the people that give, like your supporters. And the best that we can do is Compassion Radio to give you an end of your gift to help with those projects and the people that you've seen that God has said, here's the one. We'll do what we can to help you on that, Fred. And thank you so much for being our eyes and ears
1: on the ground there. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And this time in Warsaw is also a chance to work on another project that we can talk about later, but we're trying to do something while we're here in march for ukrainian refugees in warsaw so we're, we're working on several things ahead so very good and i wish i was just sightseeing for the next two days but i'll have a good time with new people you know
0: someday would be nice to do that wouldn't it indeed so we're gonna wrap up this conversation now with claiming god's peace and protection over you to travel and over your friends that you have to leave behind now how difficult this kind of separations could be at times like this may god honor everything you're doing and continue to do there i appreciate and it. And godspeed my friend
1: Thanks, bless you, and bless everybody who's listening. Amen.
0: Thank you for all you do to support this ministry, and by extension, our amazing ministry partners like Serve Ukraine. We'll send along the biggest gift we can this Christmas as you enable us. Even if the current news cycles don't carry as many updates on their struggle for freedom, faith, and conscience, don't forget to pray for the millions of faithful followers of Christ caught in the crosshairs. The believers in Ukraine are literally laying down their lives for their neighbors, their country, and the kingdom of God. And consider a gift to Compassion Radio. Our brothers and sisters in faith in Ukraine are one of our ministry partners, and we'll send them as much as possible this year to help with their efforts to minister to war orphans and widows. Thank you so much for making those gifts possible. Give online today at CompassionRadio.com. Or call us at 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We'll see you right here tomorrow.